0: sport calgary conducts research into sports issues in our city did you know that the gross municipal amateur sport product in calgary is over 1.2 billion dollars per year visit sportcalgary.ca to learn more welcome back my friends welcome back i am your uh, podcasting friend uh rob kirk i also volunteer on calgary's board of directors Uh, this is a sport calgary production the original six feet conversation podcast we started this process um this project this idea uh based on the fact we were all kind of hunkered down sitting at home and um looking for a distraction well my passion is calgary sports and people who are in it and friends of mine and and we've been able to bring you a, a ton of different names and uh some i know some i don't know today's i know pretty well actually Uh, A good friend. And you'll know him, too, uh, because he's uh, synonymous with sports journalism, sports writing here in our city. Arguably one of the best, if not the best, sports writer um, that this city has seen. Uh, George Johnson is our guest. Uh, George, uh, working on a couple of projects right now, um, has done it all. Seen it all, mostly hockey, but has really, really seen it all. Um, He has a distinctive writing style. He has one of the quickest wits that you'll ever come across. And myself, is somebody who spends a lot of time um, working with young athletes on leadership and and projects like that, uh, he has a unique talent, one that I am envious of. And we're we're not going to waste much time. We're pretty much going to get into it off the top. But he has an incredible talent um, that you're going to get to know about. So look forward to that. Before we do that, uh, I just want to let everybody know uh, that Sport Calgary members have access to resources such as marketing on social media, blog entries, features, and placement on the events listing. Become a member. It's easy and it's free. Visit www.sportcalgary.ca slash members. All right. Here he is. The one, the only, shaky George Johnson.
1: If it wasn't for her, I mean- <laughs> We'd be doing this by smoke signal or a semaphore. I, I was You're gonna doing by you, semaphore. You—that was
0: literally the physical interpretation of "Behind every great man, there's a great woman."
1: <laughs> That's what well, that I was. Great, I got a yeah, great—I really. got a great cat. You know what I mean? <laughs> so okay. Hey Ringo, you want to shut the door? Just in case
0: somebody... there's gonna be some <laughs> screaming and some blue, blue language.
1: Uh, Goodbye. Okay. Goodbye, Rita. <laughs> The cat's in the recycled bin, so that's okay. You're
0: recycling <laughs> cats now? That's what this has oh, come
1: this,
0: to? He's in the paper bin. Here,
1: come here, friends.
0: Say hi to Rob. There you go. Say hi. Say hi to Rob. <laughs> <baby>. <laughs> you weren't lying. <laughs> no,
1: he's there. Okay. I would
0: show you Dolly, but that uh, 80-pound <laughs> lab is sitting on my feet right now, and I don't feel like wrestling her.
1: can't feel your feet, is what you're saying. <laughs>
0: What were you doing? I, by the way, I've hit record. And I don't use all of it, but um, so you won't hear some. I've already done this giant, fantastic introduction of you and I'll your credit. Oh, that crap! Oh, yeah. it's fabulous. What were you doing okay. with Bearcat, if you don't mind me asking?
1: Uh, well, uh, since I have nothing else to do, yes. as President, yeah. uh, I'm working on uh, finish the NFL book, as you know.
0: Okay, that and yeah. that one was with Al.
1: Yeah, Al Mackey. Uh, okay, so I'm doing a Bearcat book uh, for Triumph. Really. So I'm calling like JD and Danny Gare and getting stories and getting, it's a Bearcat. It's like the Peter Mar book. It's bear cat, like talking his whole life in hockey and his whole life oh. and then splotched in. So, so I was out on his deck there for, you know, an hour and a half or something today and we do it every week. And yeah. And
0: I've, I've had the pleasure and the, 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 the honor of talking to him and interviewing him in this format, which yeah. is restrictive for what he does. Um, yeah. I cannot imagine you are going to have so much unused material. I cannot possibly imagine.
1: Yeah, the man's eighty-seven, uh, and he's he's still pretty sharp. And uh, you know, sometimes he gets a little frustrated. But uh, the stories are—we I mean, all know the stories—and and, and uh, you know, he's kind of filling in the early time when he was a jockey and when he was working on the oil rigs. And uh, you know, when he went his met his wife Shirley, they been married sixty-four years now, and. And, uh, you know, and telling me stories about favorite players, favorite players, Danny year you know, yep. because he worked with him in the Centennials. And, you know, J.D. stories, he claims he discovered John Davidson yep. because Scotty Monroe wouldn't give him, you know. And so there's all kinds of stuff uh, with Bearcat. And, you know, he's, he, you know, it's, it's funny because uh, was? well, I think it was Doug Gilmore. And I was talking to him in Tor- in uh, outside of Toronto there and, I said, you know, the old potlicker's still, you know, he's still pretty famous. He says, oh, he says, you know what? Outside of Lanny, there's probably nobody in the history of the Calgary Flames that's even close to nope. his visibility. Nope. So, so, you know what? Uh, when the Triumph guy said that they wanted the book, I said, fine. You know, I, I lived uh, 13 of the 16 years of it with him. So, and I remember him, he helped all of us. I remember him one night, I couldn't get out of bed. My back was gone. I and but I could reach the phone. I don't even know where we were. I reached the phone, and I give me Jim Jim Murray's room. And I, you know, I said Bearcat, I can't get out of bed. My back is gone. I need you. I'm in a room. Blah blah blah. But you're gonna have to go get a key because I can't get up out of bed to let you in the room. So 15 minutes later, the old cat's there and he's doing something to my back. He's you know kneeling on my back and. Yeah. Pulling me this way and that, and I've never had a real back issue like that since. So, he helped a lot of us, not just players. And it should be pointed out, George, no medical
0: training whatsoever,
1: right? No, yeah, no. And this is it. You know, he, he talks about how he, uh, you know, he wanted to, uh, you know, he got involved because uh, Scotty Monroe needed a trainer, right? Yeah, he needed a trainer, and. He asked Bearcat, and Bearcat said that he even uh, he would go in, in those days for the Centennials when they started and uh, tack up, uh, come to the hockey game on Thursday night signs, you know, and all yep. that kind of stuff. And, yeah, no medical training. I mean, he'd been a jockey. He'd studied a lot of, you know, animal medicine. And, stuff. and he did a tremendous amount of work. And I know a lot of people now, you have to have 45 letters behind your name. I get that. Yep. I understand all that. But if you talk to those guys... Uh, all of those guys, which I'm doing now, uh, from across the spectrum of his his broad, broad career, all of them said that whenever Bearcat came on the ice, they felt they were in safe hands. And Cliff said the bottom line, Cliff Fletcher said the bottom line is, our guys playing? our guys getting healthy quickly? And with Bearcat, they were.
0: It's funny, we live in a cynical world, right? So when somebody says the phrase, you know, while he claims this, you kind of go, oh, you back off a bit. Yeah, yeah. But there's a lot that Bearcat claims, like and and I I have never found him out to be wrong. Like claims to have played in the first game in the corral. Claims yeah. to have designed the the logos for the Calgary uh, Cowboys. Like yeah he,
1: yeah.
0: He, th- th- we don't allow for this anymore, do we, George? Like we we don't allow for character anymore. We don't allow these people to exist anymore.
1: No, everything is sort of everything is sort of. Well, you're right. I mean, everything now is sort of under the microscope, and everything is. I don't believe this, and I don't believe that, and I have a form to tell you that I don't believe it, and then other people start not to believe it. But you know what? There was something about those days, uh, you know, when I when you get a guy like him, and you know what? Even if some of the stories about those guys at that time aren't true, I want him to be. Yeah. And if I want him to be, that's good enough for me. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, hearing them tell a story about Katerina Witt, <laughs> You know, hearing the story about Prince Albert of Monaco and, you know, and then he, well, you know, and he didn't hear the guy's name. Grace Grace Kelly's son. He's now the ruler of Monaco. And Bearcat hears Prince Albert and turns to him, shakes his paw and says, Prince Albert, I got friends up there. It's colder than hell. You know, and here's a Grimaldi looking at him like he's just pulling off. I mean, this stuff, please, please don't ever question it because I believe it implicitly oh, all of it but that's the legend right like the roller yeah. skates and the tight
0: shorts and all of that stuff right
1: i'm gonna throw a, a line at you since you're an old western fan yes please okay from the man a man who shot liberty Balance. yeah the end when they're talking about the john wayne character who's died penniless but he was like you know the guy and all that he's a guy that actually shot liberty Balance. and jimmy stewart says to the newspaper he says Are you going to print the story? And he goes, he rips it up and he says, no. He says, when the legend becomes fact, print the legend. Yep. And we don't have enough legends anymore. No. Uh, I don't think so anyway.
0: No, I I wholeheartedly agree. And again, sports is poorer for it. And there's lots of people who love where we're at. And there's all, you know, sports, as you know, better than anybody, it's evolving. It always reinvents itself. Yeah. But to, and, and one of the things that I wanted to get into this conversation with you, um, it's a long way to get to this point, George, but you were kind enough. We, we we did the hockey camp for the kids, and you were kind enough to volunteer early on in that. And, you know, I talk all the time to young kids about the importance of nicknames. Yeah. And you are the best, absolutely the best at nicknames. But they have meaning. It's not I.E. at the end of the name, right? Like, that's no. where we are at sports. Oh, it's, you know, it's Monty, and it's Brode, it's and all that.
1: Rose, but, yeah, I mean, but
0: you come from this era, and you are just this master of coming up with the great nicknames. And that, to I, me, is part of what we're just talking about, you know, the era, by bygone era, right?
1: Well, it's, it's you know, and, and now it's all kind of like, you hear this all the time, you get these, these, these and here I'm going to sound like the guy that's walking 40 miles over, cut glass to go to school. I get that. You sound <laughs> like an old guy. Well, I am an old guy. And that's the way, That's that's an irrefutable fact. But now they always talk about, you know, I've got a brand. You're not Colgate. You don't have a brand. You're trying to get your story done on deadline with as much entertainment value and as much insight as you possibly can, and go home and do it all again the next day. I, I think that there's a there's a sense that everybody now takes themselves so so serious. Yep. And and. and in that, a lot of the fun is, is, is missing. And part of it is that, you know, in the old days, here I go again being the old guy, but you could, you know, go up to Marcel Dion at the L.A. Forum and say, hey, Marcel, I really, I got this two-page spread I got to get done, and it's got to be on you, and it's got to be tomorrow. Uh, you got 40 minutes after the skate. No problem. Yep. You know, yep. now it's a guy in front of a backdrop who gets six or seven, eight questions. Guys, time's up, or, you know, and so it's 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 a different thing the athletes are amazing some of the stuff they do is absolutely fantastic but a lot of the the romance and maybe you know a lot of the romance and the, and the craziness as is, in is, the characters have, have have gone out of the game I mean most of them are now on Twitter
0: mm-hmm. or on
1: TV telling stories right yeah because now it's a different it's a more homogenized Product, well, they're,
0: they're trying to tell their own story. You're, you're at, you're, at, you're so right when you use the word brand. Right. So yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to tell my story now and you know, no, look no further than Michael Jordan. Right. We just watched yeah. 10, 10, you know, documentaries, I mean, 10 years on him. Yeah. But no episodes on a brand. It's about the yeah. Michael Jordan brand. Right. Yeah. 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 No, I go back to dude. like, I talk to young kids all the time. Part of culture is have that, those nicknames, real nicknames. Where did you come up with that skill, that ability? Where did that come from?
1: You know what? Everybody had a nickname. In in the old Winnipeg Tribune days, if you didn't have a nickname, you weren't part of the group. You weren't trusted. You were this, you were that. I mean, I I got my nickname shaky. The reason I got my nickname is because we all used to be able to drink beer in Jack Matheson, Jim Matheson's dad's office because It was a PM paper, so we were there all night. So these old guys would get there, and like Doyle, Pat Doyle, and Greg Drennan, and Ian Dutton was good. And they'd sit there and they'd drink beer all night. We'd have dead soldiers up to the top of the roof, right? This is the <laughs> thing. So, and Maddie would come in and kick us out at seven or eight in the morning. Well, one day they, they were all under their cups, and I was a kid, and one of them said, You see this little tweep here? He could beat you. Ian Dutton, big wonderful guy yeah forever in this business we call him caveman right because he was huge ball <laughs> huge and so the guys to the caveman he says this little tweep here he could beat you at golf and the guy goes and Ian goes look at him are you kidding me so they they all being a little bit right a little fuzzy uh put in money on me and I was leading by six or seven at the turn, and then I started to get the yips and was stick-handing like Stan McKeat on the on the backside. Right, I was all over the lot, and and I lost the money. I lost <laughs> everybody's money to the caveman. And so from then on, I was shaky because that's the way I put it. Right. And, and you know, and and this is how nicknames evolve. So to me, if you don't have a nickname, you know, if you, if you don't, then you're not part of the group. If you got a nickname. It might be bad, yeah. but you're accepted, and that's that's the way I grew up with it. So I
0: I, I just I've always admired it. I I I love it. It, I teach it to kids because I think it's a, it, it builds culture. Like you know, again, maybe with the branding words again, but that's what you had in those old newsrooms, right? There was a culture there. There was
1: there was a way yeah. of carrying
0: yourself, presenting yourself, and being part of it.
1: Yeah, and it was it was just it was all kind of it was all kind of you know uh, we want to beat the other. Now, in the newspaper business, because everybody belongs to one or two Yep. Yeah. back then, it was like, I mean, I remember I was up against as good a beat guy. When I first got here to start the Flames in 84, I was up against Eric DeHatchik, who's as good a beat guy as you're going to find anywhere in the damn league. So I remember I used to get so scared that he was going to beat me on something because him and Cliff were tight,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that I would get up, And my wife was ready to, you know, hit me with a shovel. But I'd get up because I knew the Heralds would be in the box. The first edition Heralds would be in the box at like 12, 15, 12, 30. So I'd clamber out of bed and she'd be like chucking stuff at me. And I'd go over to the box just to make sure that I wasn't going to have to go into the office tomorrow and just turn my stuff in. You know what I mean? Because he had had canned me with some amazing uh, exclusive. Right. And this is, was it stressful? Yeah, but it was fun because you were always trying to win. Now they're all, Toronto's different because they have the stuff, but you're all on the same team. Yeah. So it, it, it's a bit of a different competitive environment for sure. Well, well not a, it's a lot.
0: And you mentioned before how it's changed. Back then when you and Duha are doing it, you, yeah. you had that ability to, to, to mine gold. There's not a lot of gold to be mined anymore, right? Well,
1: the gold is mined on Twitter. The gold is mined by the guys that have the insider things on the NHL thing, and everything's instantaneous. Back then, it was you pick the paper up, you know, in the afternoon or more so in the morning when it got to be a morning paper.
0: Right. You know, and
1: you you either – I remember one time Pat Doe was a sports editor and Jamie McCown got picked to go to the Worlds, and I didn't have it, and Eric did. My sports was Pat Doyle at the time came in and he just didn't say a word to me, just dropped the paper in front of me on the desk. McCowan going to worlds. Well, I was five foot six, but I felt like three foot one, right? And, sure. And that taught you because you didn't want to get your head kicked in too often because that meant you were gonna to have to go do something else. And this was such a wonderful job and such a wonderful environment. And you got to do all this crazy crap that everybody else wanted to do that you made sure it didn't happen
0: again. Yeah. That's all. How what was it like those mid eighties? Because we're watching it now, right? Like, yeah, oh, yeah. we got nothing to do. Let's show them eighty nine again, or eighty seven, or anything. Yeah, that, but what? How would you describe it to if you know young journalists or whatever starting out of the business? How do you describe the mid eighties?
1: Well, it's just different. I, I mean, they were all commercial flights. Yeah, we were on them. You would come in. Doug Barkley would hand you your boarding pass. Pre nine eleven, you know, basically. You know, very little security, at least compared to today. But you're on a flight with, you know, I remember sitting beside a guy who was a, a, an offensive lineman for the Phoenix Cardinals one time. And he, he looks at me and says, are you with this team? And I said, yeah. And he said, who, who's the best player on this team? Who, who, who's the guy here? I don't know. Really about who's, who's the best guy? And he introduced himself to me. And I said, oh, see little fella coming down there? That was Theo. He was coming down the aisle, right? And he goes, and then he sits down, and he said, that's the best player on this team. And he goes, he's got a middle seat? And I said, yeah, we all do. You can't really tell. You know, this isn't today where they're chartering, and, you know, you've got the smoked salmon and the prosciutto and, yep. and the canaps and all this stuff on the plane, and you walk in. You know, if you needed Joey Mullen, you just went, hey, Joey, I need you for a sec. I need you back by the can. And then, Joey, would come back, and you'd do your interview, and and everything was far less formal, which is why I can, you know, for Hokan and Lou in Sweden and the first thing out of his mouth is what the hell do you want? You know, I mean, <laughs> th- this is a, I'm glad I lived that time Yeah. because it was a far less, you know, it was a far less rigid structure right. to everything. Right. And, and it, it was a lot of fun. It was, a, it was a lot of fun. You got to know these guys, you know, better, and I, you can say one's right or one's wrong or whatever, but it was just different. Were you... And I'm, I'm glad of the difference and I that I live the difference. That's all.
0: Was there, a, for lack of a better term, a code, George? Or were you a secret keeper at all in the sense of because you had different access that you understood certain things were, were on the record, certain things were off the record. We didn't talk about personal lives and things like that. Was it more like that?
1: You know what? Honestly, Rob, I, I think it was less so of that, and the only reason is because I'm not running in the same circles as these guys, right? Okay, yeah. And, and, and there wasn't Twitter, and there wasn't a bombardment of 4,000 pieces of information coming at you in a millisecond, right? I mean, they went their way, we went our way, right? And, and that was kind of the way it was. I mean, you know, the Theo stuff when the, the Graham Jameson started to happen— I mean, we could tell some but he didn't want to talk about it at the time. Right. So we respected that. Well, you know, I remember telling Vernon one time. I said, you know, Mike, I don't care what you do as long as you're not doing it, you know, uh, you know, on on Stephen Avenue at six o'clock in the morning and everybody in Calgary can see it. You no, know, it's not my business, right? If it affects your play on the ice, it's my business, right? Right. Okay. To me, that's that was kind of the the line. But I, I remember, and this is perfect. I mean, remember how. Difficult time Bernie had here because mm-hmm. he was in Calgary, and, all this, and people would find fault. You want people in your hometown to do well, but not too well, because <laughs> you know. So, I remember sitting at the Trib. I'm at the at the at, not the Trib. I'm sorry. At the at the Sun, and I get a call. Phone rings. I pick it up. but some guy's talking about Mike Vernie, and he's causing disturbance at a bar, down here in the Northeast. And you guys better come down. And this is blah 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 blah. Right? And I'm going, okay, fine. I knew exactly what was going on. Nothing, so I put it down. This is an honest story. I'm not kidding. Me. Within 15 minutes, some I get a phone call, and some guy saying Mike Burns out on the street here in the Southwest and uh, the Northwest. And and I thought, what did you get in a plane? <laughs> uh, it, it was just so you you really had no idea, you know, what it was, and you had to sort of take everything. Uh, with a grain of salt, was there all kinds of stuff that went on? Probably. Yeah. But you you know what? I mean, like I say, it, to me, they all had private lives, and and you know if, if if it didn't affect their their performance on the ice, it was none of my business unless they wanted to share. It.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: That that was it. I don't think there was any there was any tangible. Well, I'm not going to say I I don't I don't honestly remember anything like that. I mean.
0: Honestly, I don't. Right. Now, Mike Rogers would often say to me that it was a different league because everybody knew everybody, yep. right? That that nowadays there's so many guys in the league that even other players don't know them. It's just distant, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: It, yeah, no, and it is. And, you know, I mean, the Oilers, I, I, I spent 18 months up in Edmonton, you know, covering as a backup writer, covering the Oilers. Lost, their, lost to the Islanders and then won their first cup, right? So I was the backup. I always got the visiting dressing room. I was a lucky guy that got the visiting dressing room when the Chicago Blackhawks went in there and Murray Bannerman got beat 10-0 on his birthday. That was my job, right? I had all the good stuff up and everything. So, but, you know, I mean, you know, I I can still phone Paul Coffey and, uh, at his cottage if I need something. And, and you know, he's he's fine and, you know, you, yeah. you talk, talking. And that makes it sort of different because... Basically now, it's tough to even know the guys on your own team because it's never the never the twain shall meet kind of thing, right? Right. But back then it was a little bit, it was a little bit different.
0: What I don't know about that era, and I don't know if you can help me with it, were you covering stamps in the off season or were you just doing hockey?
1: Uh, I was mostly Flames. I mean, I I would plop over to, to McMahon every once in a while when the Al Rockerbur was our beat writer over there. Yeah. Larry Tucker was a columnist. So, you know, uh, basically, no, I mean, they did stamps. And it wasn't like today where you throw everybody at the major beats, right? There's two major beats. Everything else kind of gets forgotten, right. right? Yep. Back then, you know, the, the when I grew up in the Winnipeg Tribune system, right? The Winnipeg Westman Classic was the big basketball tournament. Sure. Now, right? Yep. I would cover the Westman and I cover the Westman Classic and it was on the break. Even if the Jets played. If Patty Doyle was off in somewhere covering the Jets, it was on three. And I had the I had the break. And that was great because it allowed a young writer to be have have to force him to, to write better because more people are looking at his stuff because you're on the front of the you're in the front of the section. Right. And and you know, it helped you it helped you you know it helped you learn how to write so but yeah no it was uh, occasionally no but you know if there was a soccer game in town or there was you know vipers were playing or you know you know what i mean mm-hmm. or something like I, I would go down the cannons you know i used to my wife covered the cannons yep. for you know a lot of years and she had way better beat she'd go off to phoenix and vegas and i was going to minneapolis in the dead of winter and you know <laughs> So I'm wondering who actually had the good job, right? <laughs> but so I would do I would do stuff like that. I mean, I they plopped me down to talk to Doug Flutie or Alan Pitts every once in a while, but it wasn't a lot. Of it, no,
0: I guess my question was going to be: Were the football players in that era the same way? Because the football players have always been a little bit uh, more I like, open, right?
1: I, I you know, one thing I'm going to miss about where I am at right now is is mostly not going to McMahon. Okay, because everything there is is relaxed. Everything is different. Everything. I mean, if 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 you you know if say seven of us want Bo Levi Mitchell, we will do seven of them. Yep. And if I'm seventh, he'll sit there and wait till I'm done. You know what I mean? Yep. I it's do. Like I gotta go. Right? Occasionally, there's a meeting or something like that, and yeah, okay, get that. But it's like if you want to wait till after the meeting, I'll come on after the meeting. So I miss that because it, it is closer to the old. NHL, and it's always been that way. I mean, the guys have been fantastic. If if you ever find a better quote than Josh Bell, please bring him to me. Man is the man is Theo Fleury good. He's all world. Anyway, so yeah.
0: Uh, with George, John- with George Johnson, just a reminder: Sport Calgary members have access to resources such as marketing on social media, blog entries, features, and placement on the events listing. Become a member; it's easy and free. www.sportcalgary.ca/slash-members. George, what kind oh. of athlete were you growing up?
1: Awful. Yeah, I just told you I, I like seventeen putted like. I nine, know, eight, but. I know. Oh, I mean, I played soccer. You it, know, you yep. know me, Robbie. I'm a, I'm a. Yep. I'm a footy boy, and, yep. and I was a George Best fan growing up, and, and I played, and I guess I was competent enough to play in a couple of Manitoba under-18 teams, right, nationally. Nothing wrong with that. Oh, it's just a little, a little annoying little dorkus, right? But, you know, and then I got a job in a newspaper, and the newspaper, you're working nights. So everything, and the hockey, that was... But I love. I always loved sports. I loved Muhammad Ali. I cried when he lost to Joe Frazier the first time. I love Georgie Best. I love Jack Nicholas. Okay, that's I- why I- my dad loves sports, right? Yep. In fact, this is you'll get this because this is a sport. This is where you know sports is important. We're Saskatchewan Rough Rider fans. If you say Ron Lancaster, me now, I will get off this chair and get down on one knee because I still do it. Okay, so. We were, 76 Great Cup, that's the, it was 76 or 72, the Tony Gabriel one, mm-hmm. Ted okay, so I'm watching this with my dad in the living room in our condo looping, and it happens, this unthinkable thing happens, and I'll, I'll you know how things that your parents do, or they always stick with you, my dad got up, and I'm, I'm pretty young, I'm, you know, I'm 15, 16, and this is your dad, and he got up. He didn't say a word. And we had these long flight of stairs stood up through the condo. And he walked all the way up to the bedroom and shut the door. Not a word. Not a word. And so I'm beaten up there to see what the hell the matter with Jerry is, right? And my, my mom goes in and she puts her hand in and she goes, I'd give him a few minutes if I would And that to me, right there, that's what sports is all about. Right. Sports, as unimportant as it actually is, that's the power it has on you give him a few minutes he needs a few minutes and i've needed a few minutes over my you know sure yeah in your fandom yeah and that's 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 what makes it special so was i much of an athlete no was i a fan yeah
0: so help me out with this you grew up in winnipeg right yep why saskatchewan then why not the bomber's
1: Oh my God! I was born in Regina. I like to say I crawled out at six months old. Uh, <laughs> we did. We moved as a family. Um, yeah, yeah, no. I, because my dad worked at CKCK Regina. Gotcha. And, okay. Yeah. And 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 we grew up writer fans. We, yeah. you know, uh, you know George Reed, Jack Avinson and and Ted Duchinsky, and all those guys from the sixties. Uh, you know, I, I still have somewhere downstairs a, 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 a serving plate from their from their uh, big uh, uh, dinner thing after they went in 66 with all the guys' names scrawled on it. Oh, wow.
0: You know, that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, no, Riders. It was always Riders. Riders and Jackie Parker. Okay. Jackie Parker was another guy that I knelt down. I didn't know what he looked like, <laughs> but if you said his name, I knelt down. And that was, that was the way it was in our house, right? So, that's okay. So, was sports the connection
0: to journalism? Was that why you became a, a, a writer?
1: Well, there was a guy named Stan Hellier, who was an amazing guy, uh, who was my, uh, my Creecom prof, my writing prof in Winnipeg at River Community College. And he, he freelanced for the Free uh, Tribune, sorry, Winnipeg Tribune. Yep. And Stan had interviewed, Stan had pictures of himself when he was with the Toronto, I think it was the Star in the 50s, interviewing like Marilyn Monroe and Humphrey Bogart. And it, I mean, we were all just captivated. Stan was like the guy. And he got me, He phoned Jack Mathis and said, man you're looking for a, a kid. And, you know, here, here's a kid. Here, here's a kid. He's keen. He loves it. He'll work his butt off for you. I don't know if you'll be any good, but here you go. Right. And so eventually that, that call came while I was still in school. And I started the Tribune and finished my school and, and was doing on-the-job training at the trip.
0: How does it work for a, a writer, George? Because again, I, I've established that you've got a, a real style. Like, I can, I don't need a byline. I can read a story and know this is a George Johnston piece. Yeah. When yeah. I got into broadcasting, some of the best advice I got was don't be funny. Just don't worry about being a comedian. Work, yeah. get it, and yeah. then that comes. How did it yeah. work for you? Like, how do you grow into the persona that becomes your writing style?
1: Oh, you know. I... I was lucky. Jack Matheson, Jimmy Jimmy Matheson, that yep, fabulous writer, fabulous writer. you had him. We had guys like Jimmy Taylor, who might be the best, the late Jim Taylor, who might have been the best Canadian writer John Robertson was working yep. in Calgary at the time in Winnipeg at the time, right? Yep. And, and Robbie could make the words dance. I mean, he was he was like a you know he was like a marionette guy. He was. Pulling the strings, and, and so I, I always enjoyed that. I, I, I enjoyed, you know, I enjoyed the, I, I you know, even more. It sounds stupid, but even more than what it was about, I enjoyed the fact that someone could take something and I look at it and go, "Man, that thing, that was good." I really liked that. And we had enough writers, a lot of writers at the time, who were still around that the group before us. This you know, our group, me yep. and Eric guys Kevin Paul Duba, those guys, uh, that were around to show us. I mean, you know, I'm sure those guys could all tell you about guys that they, uh, you know, and then we had great peers, guys like Al Mackey yep. who could, you know, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful writer. And to me it was the writing that, I always said that if I wasn't doing sports, I'd, you know, I'd be doing food fronts and trying to make them read good. You know, I that's kind of the way that, you know, you know, you take the bat you take the batter and you put it in with the egg, you know, and all that kind of crap. So yeah, so th- that was it. To me it was the writing. It's it's always been the writing. That's that's what it is.
0: I'm gonna shelve the sports for a second, but I wanna talk a little bit about because my door to you, the, the way that we ever first connected was in a mutual appreciation for cinema. And, and old movies and the relevance of those. Where did that come from, George? I mean, you know, you grew up in an era where it's not like you were watching videotapes and discs and stuff like that. In many cases, you know, you might see a movie and might not see it for years again, right? Yeah.
1: No, I don't know. I, was, I remember watching The Wizard of Oz once. And it went from color, went from black and white to color. And because my dad was in the TV business, yep, he worked the general manager at KC&D, which is morphed into uh global in uh, winnipeg right anyway uh he was general manager there we had one of the first color tvs so i was able to watch the wizard of oz go from the dour black and white of kansas to oz and all the color right yeah and i just looked at it that's freaking amazing (laughs) i love that right and so then I started to, you know, I started to collect old movie posters, right? I've sold most of them now, but, mm-hmm. you know, I, I had the original East of Eden. i still got a 63-inch Treasure de Sierra Madre French. I had Sunset Boulevard. I had, uh, you know, To uh, Catch a Thief, Cary Grant. You know, I, I, so I love it. I always loved old movies. I, I've always loved old movies. you know, You know, the... You know, the 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 special effects are creaky, yeah, I get that, you know, it's the same thing as watching The Twilight Zone, but the ideas are there, the writing is there, I guess, I guess I'm I'm like old Moe's, I was born old, and, 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 you know, I've just aged as I, I just went from 60 to 120, rather than from 0 to 60, you know.
0: I, I, well, I love it because it's, you, you know, there's sometimes there's pretense with people, right? Like, oh, I only enjoy French avant-garde cinema or anything. Yeah. Y- you, your tastes tend to be the best. Like, you know, you're you're not looking for obscure. You're, you know, you're talking about Humphrey Bogart, but you're not, you're talking about, you know, the best of Humphrey Bogart. John Wayne. You and I have had many conversations about John Wayne. Like it's. Oh, you
1: know, and I and I love you know. I, you know, Diabolique. I love Diabolique. I, I love, I love that stuff. I you know I love Fellini. Sure. Because wife's Italian, and you sort of have to, right? And and Cinema Paradiso is one of my favorite all-time movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it's it's about loving movies. So yeah, I love that. But yeah, it's just it's it, there's something about it. and I'm not that's not to downtrod anybody or anything. It's just it's preference. I mean, you oh, yeah. know. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, you know, so so, it it, it just there are the things that uh, you know. I, I think at base I'm kind of a corny little dork who, who likes a good cry every once in a while, right? So so Audrey so Greg Gregory Peck is walking away from Audrey Hepburn who's the princess at the end of Roman Holiday, <laughs> you know, and and that's me, right? I mean. <laughs> So so, I just I just I like it. That doesn't mean I exclude. No no. You know no, no. Uh, the hurt locker or you know, but it it just I like oldies. What
0: can I say. Yeah, but it's so refreshing to find somebody you can you know you can talk to about these things, right? Like I feel well, like I feel like it's kind of that. It's funny we were talking about hockey and the way it's changed, but yeah, you, you know it's like hey, did you see? I don't know. Super bad. Did you watch something on TikTok? I, I don't know. Hey, did you guys catch? You know, like I, last night I watched Sons of Katie Elder. I knew I was talking to you, and I felt like, yeah, I better watch something with the Duke. So, you know, it's nice to be able to have that you, conversation.
1: You know, you know what we watched last night? Hmm. You know what we watched last night? We watched Rebecca with Lawrence Olivier. Okay. And Hitchcock, one picture in 1940, right? Yep. My, my daughter, my daughter, the older daughter. God bless her watch old movies with the old folks I, and, <laughs> and so yeah. so you know the, the, that, that's good too but that doesn't mean we can't watch lego batman and laugh our head off no, no 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 it's just it's just it's just it's just it's it's taste everybody's got their own favorites i'm just glad they invented tcm Right? and all what in heaven's name.
0: agreed absolutely agreed yeah. all right tell me about frank how did frank find his way into your life
1: my dad would come home and, you know, and he had a stressful job. He was a general manager at a TV station and they were trying to, it was based in Pembina, North Dakota, beaming into Winnipeg, right? And so he would come home at night, every night, and he would sit in that chair and he would go over to the hi-fi. Yes, I said it. <laughs> go over to the hi-fi, and he would put on Frank and he would have a scotch and water and read the paper and this is how he relaxed. So, you know, meanwhile, I'm I'm like listening to The Doors and all this kind of stuff, right? Back then, which was edgy back then. Yeah, and so I'm, I'm listening to all this stuff. The who, yeah. Anyway, and now here I am. I'm, I'm 60, going to be 63. And I'm my dad. <laughs> I just want to listen to Frank sing Joe Bean, Bossa Nova. That's all I want. That's what I want out of life. When I die, I'm hoping Frank's. Frank's whole thing was he always said, "Remember, he says, may the last voice you hear be mine." I'm banking on that for me.
0: <laughs> are Are you, because you have such an amazing memory, or do you ever have you ever figured out what your triggers are? Is music a big trigger for you when it comes to memories? Is Is it visual for you? Do you... Well,
1: yeah, I, I, yeah, you know, it's funny, it's funny. Everybody used to, I used to, because I kind of, and I'm not saying invented it, but I overused it. Everybody would go. Oh God, George has written another piece. There's a forties movie in the lead, you know, and they'd be like holding their heads and stuff. So yeah, I know, I you know, I, I don't know, I just yeah, I'm yeah, I, I don't know like the triggers. I mean, I guess my triggers are the same as anybody else's triggers. They're just they all have different triggers. Yeah. You know, I uh, I I don't know. I I, I just all I know is that when I sit down, every time that I, I tried to write over the last four years, I tried to write well. Sometimes it was off. Sometimes I tried too hard. Sometimes I actually even liked it. <laughs> but, but you know what, at least, I would say 98% of the time, yep. that was the best I had under the deadline circumstances or whatever it was on that day. And, and that's, hey, to me, if I can say that about myself, I'm okay with it. Right, right. Some of it's good. Some of it's bad, but it still works.
0: So you start your first professional sports writing job is in Winnipeg at the Trib. Yeah. yeah, covering
1: the Winnipeg Westman.
0: So you were really so your your first job was covering basketball.
1: Uh, well, the basketball they didn't have a football team. Westman basketball hockey but Oh, i basically. didn't know they had a
0: hockey team too did they yeah yeah, yeah. They oh, had
1: volleyball okay uh you know they had a good volleyball program at the time when i was there so they were at nationals first a trip i ever made to calgary was with the winnipeg westman men's basketball team and there was a coach named bruce Evans. who was a coach at the westman and we, it was in calgary i'd never been to calgary and so we get on this and this is my first road trip and i remember uh the guy says uh bruce said to me he says University of Calgary has an athletic director, information guy. you got to <laughs> meet him. And I went, oh, who, what's his name? He goes, Jack Newman. <laughs> right? So this is, so Jack and I predate. Predate you Chicago, working full-time Chicago. in Calgary. Yeah, I mean, he was here handling the media relations for the, and it was the corral. Right. The, 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 uh, the, the CIU Nationals, right? Yep. So yeah, so so that's how you know that's that's how that's how I started, and I met my wife at the Tribune. She was covering the she was covering the Bisons. and I'm covering the West. So it's like uh, you know, so you know, then one thing leads to another, right? I don't know. So yeah, yeah. So I mean, everything I have has come out of the newspaper business. My marriage, kids, you know, a, a job that for the most part really fulfilled me for an awful long time. And, you know, so, hey, the printed word, I I swear by it. And that's why when it's taken, when people don't try or it's it's kind of thrown off, it kind of ticks me off. No, I
0: I absolutely did. So, okay, so how long are you in Winnipeg then?
1: Uh, I was at the Tribune, and then that was was when... the first great collusion to fold newspapers happened. Okay, Ottawa paper got folded by Thompson. They folded their Ottawa paper, and Southern folded the paper in Winnipeg, so that the two cities would have just monopolies, foreshadowing today. Right. <laughs> so, so yeah. yeah. So, so that was happening. And then, and then we started our own uh, uh, sports weekly that we, we print. You know, we printed. We did it all. It was called the sports scene, which quickly got titled the scene of the disaster, because all we did was all we did was lose money, right? And then Bill Davidson, God bless his soul, the son had just started up, and he came to me and said, "Hey, come on, you know this this ain't the New York Times, but at least you can do some stuff." And that's when I started doing some jets and met John Ferguson, uh, you know, with Dale Howardcheck when he was a rookie, and you know. Paul McLean, who I still get along with really well to this day. I still sure. do my hard time about how Ducky got on all his damn points, right? You know, so, you know, so that's that's kind of how it started. And then I went uh, to, the Winn- to the Edmonton end to back up the Oilers. Yep.
0: Pat
1: Doyle called me, said, look, the Flames job's open. We want it back in 84. Said, I'm on my way. And that's kind of, I've been here ever since. So, so that's, that's it. I didn't know about, so yours wasn't the straight,
0: just up and move job you you had your freaking newspaper folded tell me about the scene was it just a winnipeg sports paper
1: no it was uh, like i said the, the, the two papers one was folded uh, thompson and southern were the two chains yep. at the time yep thompson decided thompson and there was a big trial about it at the time which of course came to nothing because that's what those things do but the thompson paper in ottawa was folded so that we would fold the Tribune so that the free press would have a monopoly in Winnipeg. Gotcha, and there would be a monopoly in Ottawa with the other paper, with this, with the Thompson paper, right? So, so that's kind of what happened. I still remember. I uh, mean, still have my Tribune ninety because it was ninety years, and it folded, and I still have my Tribune ninety down. Murray Rowe still has a, a box. We were stealing boxes out of the out of the newsrooms. But I still remember it was so funny because some guy hadn't heard it. And we're sitting around the newsroom. We're all we all thinking our lives are over, right? Sure. Yeah, oh, yeah, we're yeah. Gonna, what are we gonna do? What we gonna, right? So we're all sitting there and some guy folded up and he wanted to put in an area brief. Right? He said, Can I put an area brief in the sports section? And Pat Doyle just lost it on him. The bloody paper just folded. Turn on your television for God's sake, man. We're all and he just he just lit into this guy for had to be a two minutes of solid <laughs> abuse. And we we're just sitting there going, get him, Patty, go get him. You know, because we all figured our lives are over. What the hell does it matter now? <laughs> you want to put in, you know, your minor football brief? <laughs> Got no paper, right? So I. Uh, so anyway, that was that. was that. Wow. Wow. So again,
0: just because I'm not familiar with it, the scene lasted how long then, George?
1: Oh, the sports scene? Yeah. Uh, I'm guessing about seven, eight months. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. It, it wasn't long, but we... Poured some money into it, all of us to kind of you know and it was okay except that we had to write it, we had to go in and edit it, and these were the days when everything was not done on computer. No, yeah. So all all the pages were on banks. So if an A needed to be an E, some guy with an exacto knife had to cut an E out of here and put it over on the A, <laughs> right? And we had a guy named Gordy Sinclair who was one of my great teachers and a wonderful newspaper man. His dad was a newspaper man. Gordy was was helping us out with this thing. And I still remember Gordy saying, well, we gotta do this. And it's like, I don't know, 6.30 in the morning, quarter, seven or something. And Jim catches another one of our deskers who was at the Tribune and Bill. He turned around and he said, the sink, he said, the New York Times has typos. Why can't we? <laughs> right? And, and I thought, that makes a lot of sense. Right? So, So, yeah, so the scene of the disaster kind of imploded after about eight months, and then I was lucky enough that Billy Davidson, who was the sports editor here at the Calgary Sun for a long time, and in Edmonton with me, um, called and said, hey, you're not going to do anything there. Yeah. But but the the cool part was, and you would love this, is we had an office on Gary Street, which was right across from the Salisbury house. One guy, some guy lit himself on fire, (laughs) And then the copy kid refused to go over and get in anyway. But the thing that was interesting about it was we had no hair conditioning. You know how to get some winter. Absolutely, too. yeah. So we had no drapes. And we were in the front, and Billy would take his shirt off. And the guys <laughs> that had too much beer from the Garrick would come over and stare at Billy <laughs> with his shirt off. And so we had to get the hard copy. You know the hard copy that used to come off the ticker tape thing? Yeah. And we had to scotch tape it up on the window... To make sure that we had drapes, <laughs> so you know, it was it, it was a bit of a different thing than they have the Sun now, where they actually have a real newsroom and a <laughs> uh, building and all that kind of stuff. But that was the start of of, of the Winnipeg Sun, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I just, but I love the idea of okay, we lost our jobs, let's try and build something, right? Let's.
1: Uh, you know, it, it, it was a, a local guy decided. The city needed another newspaper, you know, and so he put his money into it, and then it wound up whereby the Sun chain bought it, right? Yep. But those early years, it was it was a standalone, right? It was it was a standalone, and and like I said, I was lucky enough to be a kid in the three man sports department. Who's going to cover the, Who's going to cover the Jets? The little idiot over there. He's covering the <laughs> Jets because I'm laying pages out, and and you're editing them off, right? So he's going, so. I was lucky enough to get that, and, and you know, like I said, I met you know Fergie and a lot of people. I liked all the way. I, you know, I owe a whole lot. To, so
0: that's it. You go to Edmonton for eighteen months, but you come to Calgary. But yeah. while you're in Edmonton, Battle of Alberta's heating up. You come to Calgary, yeah. Battle of Was it odd at all, kind of being on both sides for a period there? No, it
1: wasn't because it was, it was because you know yeah, I mean. I knew all the guys from Edmonton, and one of the nicest things that ever happened to me was I, a guy named Dick Chubey was doing sure. the beat. And Ice was, tubes. Ice tubes. And I was doing, uh, I was kind of the backup. So I was like less than nobody, right? So I would show up every once in a while, and I'd just try to keep my mouth shut and, you know, do the stuff. And, and uh, it's true, and I'm, there's no doubt he's forgotten it, but I'll, I'll always remember, you know, Wayne Gretzky coming up to me and talking really loudly to me in the dressing room. Basically, what he was doing was showing all these guys in this room that this guy, you can talk to him. It's okay. Yep. I'm talking to him, so you can talk to him, Grant Fury, and you can talk to him, Paul Coffey, and you can talk to him, Glenn Anderson, and you know, then everything was was fine. And when I came down here, Badger didn't care if you were from Mars. You know, he was just <laughs> trying to. He was just trying to be Badger. Right? He was just. He was just. Elderly. What do you think? What do you think? We got him where we want. We're down 3 2. What do you think? What do you think? You no. Know, so he was just like that. So, no, there was no. In fact, I think it helped because I knew all those guys in that room and there were so many. I mean, they played each other seemingly every second night and they'd brawl all night and they were such compelling games that I could go in the oil room, you know, and and go up to Charlie Huddy and say, hey, you know, and he talked to me. Yeah. It wasn't like yeah. I was part of. It wasn't like I was part of the two-armed camps, which in a lot of cases it was. But And like I said, it was different back then because everybody just talked to you because there wasn't a lot of us, you
0: know. W- was there a sense, George, at that time of of how special that moment was? I mean, clearly one city's got more cups than the other, but the one went to two Stanley oh, Cups too.
1: Oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. You you just, every time it was like, remember the old heavyweight championship fights when Ali would say fight for or something? And a whole paper for a week would be a build-up to the fight. That was the same thing with the Oilers and the Flames whenever they played because there was always something goofy going on. The Badger wasn't sticking an Oilers sweater on the backup bully, you know, that, that they the him peppered in. And then Slats said, oh, he's a college coach. And Badger came back with, uh, I, was, I was coaching against the Russians when he was in his diapers. I mean, this was great stuff. <laughs> I mean, even a little dope like me yeah. could have could knew what they just get out of the way and let let the game and let the moment and let the rivalry just kind of take over. One of the funnest things I did and I it downstairs is a 24 page pullout when I got everybody from the Battle of Alberta to that point, and I can't remember what year it was, to talk about it. Past and present. And and it was it was so much fun. I and mean, it was, Marty McSorley told me a story about he was, remember when Jamie McCowan had his car crash, right? Yep. Okay. So Cooner's up in the in the press box because he's recuperating, and, and they, somehow they stick Marty beside him, which is like, really? You know, he says, and, and then sort of said, he said, you know, and I, I talked to this guy. He was a nice guy, and he was coming back from this, and I hoped him all the best, and all I'd ever thought was that these people were all evil, you know, psychotics, so, you know, and, and so he done this thing, he says, and as I was going down the steps, you know, and I, I, I said, you know, I hope you get better, man. I hope you're back there. I want to be playing against you. And I think Marty was hurt or something. Anyway, yep. that's why he's in the press box too. Anyway, so he's coming down, he says, and I'm walking down to get to the to the elevator there from the press box and the dome. He says, and I must have had fifteen people challenge me to a fight. <laughs> he said he said, and all I'm thinking of is just this guy up there. And he's a nice guy, and we get along. And I'm walking down, and all of a sudden, Max Sorley, I take your, you know, and, we, and this is, the, this is, this was the magic of the whole, the whole thing, right? Yeah. We're talking to Bear, about in the book, right? The book I'm doing. And Bear said he got along great with those other guys. He tells people at a golf tournaments, and they look at him, you know, like he's, like he's, you know,
0: yeah, from Mars,
1: yeah, full of crap. Yeah. Well, he said, oh, he said, they wouldn't fight me. in, the like, Gretzky, if I had to go in and get something from the other end, Gretzky, come on in, bear. I'd walk in, and, you know, it wasn't all the, all the hate and all that vile, you know, bile. It was all out on the ice. So, yeah. But it, it was it was as much fun. Ask anybody. Pete, uh, Hat, Barks, any of the guys. It was special. It was, it was fun. But,
0: well, the one question, because I have, all of those guys have, the one question yeah. I've never asked any of them was, George, when did you know it was ending? When did it? When did the? When did the band stop playing? When were the good old days now behind us?
1: You know, I, uh, you know, I was talking to Bear about that. Today I went out to Okotoks and yeah. talked about, to, to to talk to him, and and you know, it just it just kind of petered out when suddenly all this stuff happened. There was all this change. All these people that had made it what it was. Fletcher left for Toronto, right? Uh, Gretzky went to Los Angeles. Um, uh, you, you know, suddenly, uh, suddenly Pep was gone and his face washes, you know, him and Don Jackson it was like every night they looked at each other and said, you want to go now, Pep? Sure, Don, you know, and then they fight. Yep. So all of that was gone, you know, and, and it was, things were changing and guys were, were going and then, and, and, you know, the flames because of money, because of a lot of things, that team that everybody thought was going to be a dynasty ended up being one off, right? But it started with, you know, Crispy was gone and, and, and Cliff left and, and the Gilmore trade happened and the oilers were changing. in it. it was just it was almost like they'd come to this point And and the ninety one series with them, the last time they played the Oilers easily the best hockey series I ever saw. It was it was viscerally
0: brutal.
1: Yeah. I and mean, Dyke, New Dyke's cousin Jeff Bootenboom. I remember him breaking three sticks over Nui in a game. This is his cousin. Yeah. You know, I mean, and it ended with, you know, ticking in and I can't remember if it was overtime or double overtime and game. It was just and that was the Theo Fleury slide on his knee. It it had it it was the I will never and and you should never say never, but I don't think I'll ever see a better series than that because it was just it was like the last, it was like, it was like Ali Frazier three in Manila, the last installment of an epic, epic, epic yeah. rival. Right? And, and, and it lived up to it. It wasn't like it petered out and they played a couple more classes, you know, that was it. And it was an amazing, amazing, amazing series.
0: No, and everybody was throwing haymakers. Everybody, oh, was, was, everybody was throwing haymakers. I I did an event with Theo and Craig Simpson and they talked about that series and, you know, kind of reflecting upon it, in many ways, just said what you said. Like, it was yeah. brutal. Absolutely freaking... They weren't swinging to tap you. They were swinging to break a bone.
1: Yeah, and, and you know what? You can sit there and you can say, well, that isn't... But you know what? In terms of sports, I, I was telling Dave Dickinson this one last year. He loved it. to practice. I said, Vince Lombardi once said, ballet is a contact sport. Football is a collision sport. Yeah. Hockey at its best is a collision sport. And that doesn't mean... It doesn't mean targeting someone's head or no. no. But you know what? It's the thing. The thing is, you, there has to be, for something to be magic, there has to be a pushback to try and stop the magic. And if the magic just happens because everybody's doing this, I don't see the magic in it. Yeah. It, it's 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 will as much as skill, and that's and that was what that. Rivalry was about. It was like, who wanted it more? Who, who? You know, and the fact that the Oilers, had, you know, rubbed their faces in it for so long before I got there. I mean, I got there in '84, so there had been some rubbing. Yep. You know, after that first year when the Flames went to, uh, went to the conference semifinals, you know, uh, with uh, plett and, and Vale and those guys, right? And, yep. And Reinhardt was here, and so it. And that, that was part of, the, that was part of the, the, the compelling part of it was that one team had spent a decade trying not to win a cup, but to be better than those guys because yeah. they knew all roads went through, not Rome, all roads went through Edmonton, right? And yeah. that was part of it. And when they did it in 86, I, I asked Bearcat, and, you know, we were talking, I said, what's your greatest thrill? It's got to be 89. It's not a chance. It's 86 winning game seven in there, you know, in, in their building, you know, after all of that stuff had gone on, we finally did it. I remember walking in the dressing room at in, in Northlands and Timmy Hunter screaming at me, how many did you pick us to lose in? And I said, well, six, actually. <laughs> I'm not lie to them, right? I didn't think there's any way you guys were going to win. Yeah. Right? Look at that team. I mean, they just won the last two, right? They go on to win some more. So... It, that that was that was that was a, a special thing, and then we get home to to Calgary on the charter, and there's this sound coming out of the. We're going through the, you know, to come out of the thing. There's this sound, and for some reason, they tell me and Hatt to go up first. You guys go up first, right? Okay. So <laughs> they open the freaking doors, and there's twenty thousand people in the in the airport. Yeah. I mean, it was absolutely ape. I, I'm telling you, me and Hatt are going. Holy crap. This is what it's like to be, you know, Mick Jagger. Yeah. This is great. You know, yeah. who are the two little dweebs in the front? and We want to see Vernon, right? <laughs> so, but, it, but it, it showed you what what it meant at that time for the city to do that. Absolutely. No, it's
0: yeah. it's it's fascinating because of, of the guests I've had on this podcast, and I've now heard it from players, fans. I, I, Darren Haynes was on. He was a kid that him and his buddies drove up in their car. They were part of that crowd at the airport in 86. Here you're... Mm-hmm. Cut, looking at it from the media is such an important part of Calgary sports history
1: oh it was it was it was I, I don't know I just and, you know it, it's funny because I remember you know, I, I remember a lot a lot a lot of that game I mean it was the whole thing was. I remember Curry having to stick on the puck right at the end yep one of the greatest snipers in history and he waited to, you know he just second or two too long and the buzzer went yep Yeah it was just so yeah, it was it was it was weird.
0: What well, what was your '88 experience? What what was your Winter Games experience?
1: Oh, my my Winter Games experience uh, was uh, I covered the hockey. Okay. And the problem was Canada had beaten the Soviets at his best. Yeah. Which, in re- retrospect, looks like a big setup. Because, <laughs> you know, so anyway, uh, so they beaten them, and so people were picking them to win, right? And that was like. Mark Habshide and Kevin Dahl and Sean Burke was in that yep. and all that kind of stuff. Right. And, uh, remember they, they had that thing where they, uh, allowed NHLers. So Pep was there. Andy Moe was there and I think Steve Tambor was Randy. Was Randy Greg? Uh, yeah, I can't, yeah. But, but He's it was a, only a couple. It was only, th- yeah, 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 yeah. There was two or three of them, right? Yep. Moe was one. Of them, I remember and Pep was one. Yep. Right. So, um, yeah, it, but uh, so I covered it, and then they got to the big showdown game, and, and Makarov, Krutov, and Laryanov just took it over, right? I <laughs> can't remember what the score was, but it was bad. And it was like, you know, it was like, so they did that. But then I, I was, I, I got that back in 2002 because I covered the hockey in Salt, Salt Lake yeah. when, they, when they ended the 50, and that was cool because... There's you know uh, because Theo was there, uh, Newing was with Dallas at the time I think he was there. Uh, McKinnis was there, so there was there was and Jerome of course and Jerome was, was
0: there, there. Yeah.
1: yeah 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 so there was a lot of Calgary connections and it was easy to write because you know it, it was been so long and we had all those Calgary ties so yeah but yeah that was my my eighty eight was was that uh, I was looking through my clips I was trying to throw a lot of my clips out because. Like, you know, I used to keep everything, but I'm keeping some of the stuff that, you know, that, that meant stuff. And, and, yeah. and, that, that, you know, that was one of them. the two of them was covering hockey at the Olympics
0: was fun. So, you know, obvious, and you, you know, I don't want to downplay it. You were there right through 2004. I mean, you you were there for the young guns, you saw all that, but I, what I am yeah. curious about George is the other opportunities to cover sport in Calgary that you've had um, yeah. spring or Spruce Meadows and Olympics, uh, Olympic events and things like that. It's it's a very interesting city for a sports writer or can be.
1: Oh yeah, and, and the thing we always say that. I mean, as we've talked about how the pro sports thing has become more compartmentalized and and more, you know, more. A uh, censor is not a right word, but you know what I'm saying. I do. Yep. The message has to be the message. Yeah. Right. You can't have Bill saying. You know when when Gary Bettman goes to Los Angeles, he goes to Wayne Gretzky's house and babysits. <laughs> so Janet and him go for you. are not gonna get that. <laughs> it's just not gonna happen. No. So, so but the, you always found that once you got away from that and you do the Olympic athletes, right? Mm-hmm. The, you'd go do the the World Cup skiing. You'd do the bobsled. you you know a, a lot of the winter sports. Obviously, you know Danny Morris and people like that. Uh, uh, Kyle Schufeld, you know, fantastic people. Uh, you know, it was a totally different thing because it was just you and them. They were trying to promote what they were doing. They were all very, very sharp, articulate people. So it was it was it was a different. It was, I mean, the few times I got to do the cannons, I thought it was fantastic. You look back now and Edgar Martinez and Danny Tarnable. I know. And I mean, a lot of re- You know, I remember going and watching. Uh, McGuire and, and Kenseiko come through in Hawaii before they were McGuire Mar- and Conseco and they both you know look like normal human beings you know <laughs> so you, you know I'll, I'll, yeah There's there's been so much uh, stuff I mean I grew up When I told you I did uh, I started off doing uh, uh, in Winnipeg I started off doing uh, university, university. Yeah. did but you know, I also did high school I covered a high school football game every night Five days a week, I cover a high school football game. Brian Dobies, the coach of the Bison's for like a thousand years, yep. he was coaching at Kelvin, I think it was. So I know him from there, you know. And so I've always enjoyed covering the amateurs because it's a, it's a change of pace. You have time. It's, they want to tell you their story. They want to promote what they're doing. It's 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 always been it's always been you know a joy. And, and, you know, in the summers, I got to do, obviously, more of it in the winters, because the winters were taken, right? Yep. yep, but But, you know, in the odd time when I wouldn't make a trip when I was doing the beat, you know, I'd head out to, to Lake Louise and, and screaming at Bode Miller, who was, you know, prancing by you, like, <laughs> pretend he didn't hear you, and, you know, and, and all that stuff was fun, because they were, they were new, they were fresh, they yeah. were they they were, they were particularly smart, just give it to you, and it was nuts. Yes, it's, it's that part has been absolutely
0: fantastic. One of the things that we kind of miss is I don't think we have as many of the one-offs or weird things anymore, and and by that I mean, you know, the, the uh, I think Seattle would come and play the cannons, right? Like, yeah, that was yeah, pretty. Yeah. That was common. Griffey.
1: Griffey, showed up, right? And he was just a dork, <laughs> Ken Griffey. He's just a dork. Yeah, I remember that. My, my wife actually, you know, she's uh, going through the clips again. She yeah. covered the kids, right? Bob Feller came one day. And he was like 75. She got the bat against Bob Feller. <laughs> of course, he let a, He let her kind of squib it back to him.
0: Oh, right? okay. He and, let yeah, her. I mean,
1: yeah. Yeah. This is one of the great picture, pictures of all time, right? When, yeah. when I was in Edmonton, the Edmonton uh, trappers were affiliated with the California Angels. Yep. So who comes in? Rod Carew's on the team and, and Reggie Jackson. Well, everybody wants to talk to Reggie. He gets off the plane. He's just blitzed, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> gassed. And everybody's running around trying to get to talk to him, right? And and he's not making any sense at all. And they have a press conference, and they're playing at, at Commonwealth. Ah, right? oh, so, so, I think so, I remember so, that, yeah. yeah. So center field is like eight miles, <laughs> okay? Yeah. So center field. So Reggie's up there, and somebody says, Hey, Reggie, you're going to hit a home run? He goes, Yeah. He goes, Learned, really. Yeah, he says, I'm going to hit one all the way to... And then he turned to a guy named Wes Covington, He sure. was the Edmonton son, He uh, was a marketing guy or an ads guy or something. He played in the majors, so he knew Reggie. And he looked at Wes, and Wes goes, Spruce's Grove, spruce right? And <laughs> Reggie goes,
0: I'm going to hit
1: one all the way to Spruce's Grove! <laughs> Right, and we're all sitting there going, "Oh, geez. So I forgot about Reggie, and I went and talked to Rod Carew, and he was such a gentleman for like 20, 20 minutes. But yeah, that part of it was 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 tons of fun. Up there, down here, they they came and played a AAA affiliates, right? Just it's so,
0: hard to believe that happened, right? With the way Major League Baseball or or you can't the Flames are never going to go play Stockton for an exhibition game or stuff like that. No,
1: no, it, it, it was it was really cool. It was it was it was it was it was a lot of fun. Did, I mean, we used to. Have all, Remember they used to bring the, yeah, I remember the covering the Julius servant here. Right. Uh, Sixers came, and, and, no, that was happening. Sixers came, you are know, like, do you remember Ray Tuchansky? Sure. Yeah, okay, yeah. Turk was about, he, like, he's a foot smaller than me. He used to wear orange sports coats. right So you couldn't miss Turk. This was his deal. And so the Sixers are there, and they're having a shoot around and they're playing Utah at, at Rexall. And uh, so I'm looking at Turk. Turk's looking at me and goes, Who's going to go try to talk to Moses in the wall? Because he was an infinitely bad guy to talk to. Sure. So we flipped. The Turk lost. So he had to go talk to Moses, right? So he wanders over to talk to Moses. And Moses is way up here, and Turk's way down <laughs> here. I see Moses talking to Turk like this, and Turk turns white, right? He turns white, and he wanders back to the side like What? What are you saying Turk goes, he just looked at me and said, I don't do interview in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada on Tuesdays. <laughs> I just turned around and came back. So I went and talked to Julius Irving, and he told me about uh, about his religious faith for about an hour, and it was great. <laughs> so, but those, those were fun those were fun times.
0: Not yeah. a Calgary story, but I wondered, and I've never asked you this, um, I remember one of the first kind of things on TSN when it was a sports network was Muhammad Ali and Dave Semenko.
1: I didn't, I wasn't there for that. No, you weren't, eh? No, but I, I did get to talk to, I did get to do a couple of pieces of Sugar Ray Leonard. Oh, okay. And he was the, 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 the welterweight champion in the world because the guy that managed Sugar Ray Leonard also managed Sean O'Sullivan. Yes. Canadian the, legend. The Irish Canadian guy. Yeah. So, and Sean fought a couple of times in Edmonton. And right. So, uh, I can remember getting on the phone with Sugar Ray Leonard at his training facility, where wherever it was, and him saying, "What's this stuff about Ali fighting a hockey player?" <laughs> I went, "Well, <laughs> apparently it's true. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how or why, but apparently it's true." So, yeah, no, I didn't. I wasn't there for that. I think I was. I, was, I was No, doing, I just. I kind of... was all Jonesy. The big guys, Jonesy was on the big guys, and Ali was a big guy.
0: Yeah, 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 and, and and Jonesy, and you know, Jonesy was one of the last, or is I guess one of the last world traveling sports beat guys, right?
1: Best, best well, columnist, yeah. Best best job in Canada for twenty five years, right? You know, oh yeah, oh well, no question. I mean, Kirk Brownie was born in Carolyn, but uh, you know, if he'd ever flown over to Edmonton, Jonesy said he was from Edmonton. And he suddenly became a local,
0: right? <laughs> So and I gotta he, cover him.
1: He, yeah. So then he'd go to Paris, you know. <laughs> and the rest of it. I got one great Jonesy story for you, and I'm sure I've told it you many times. There's a guy named Gary Picknell and me, and we're in the cafeteria at the end of the sun. And Jonesy's been everywhere. I mean, he's been everywhere. And we've been stuck in the cafeteria sun, right? Forever. And so Jonesy comes in, he's got fifty or forty or fifty taxi chips. And this was the way you made your money back if you went and had a few pops, and Jonesy liked to have a few pops, was that you would come in with taxi chits and guys would make out taxi chits and they would cover the money that you spent right at the, at the bar. So he'd come in with 40 or 50, he'd been off to bought some waters. So I don't know where he went. he'd come back and we're still in the, in, we're still sitting where he left us in the, in the cafeteria at the Evan Sun. And Jonesy goes, hey you guys, I need some taxi chits done. And, uh, uh, and I'm just about ready to go, Jonesy, you know, Yep. Stick where the sun, don't you? Pick goes, no, no, Jonesy, we'd be happy to sign your taxi. And I'm looking at Pick and I'm going, look at us, we're here, we're, we're nothing, and Jonesy's on. He says, Jonesy's leaving here and come back in about an hour and, and we'll get it done for you. That's okay. So I said, Pick, what? So he said, what we did was we signed the taxi chips. We made them out for the amounts, the total amount Jonesy wanted to cover his bill, But we made them out legibly with the taxi driving be taxi drivers being every famous dead person you could think of. Madam kai Shek, Napoleon Bonaparte, uh James Dean. Uh we, we took in the, we had more fun in that hour doing <laughs> stupid taxi checks, right? And we knew Josie wasn't gonna look at it. He was just gonna <laughs> hand them in. So Josie comes in, hey you guys got my Yeah, yeah, here Josie. and and Peck Peck, Peck looks at me and he goes, if this doesn't kill him, he's bulletproof, right? Because, uh, you oh, know, sure, M- Madame Curie's on there. And, you know, <laughs> she's not driving a cab. So, so, and sure enough, nobody said a word. I <laughs> found out Jonesy was bulletproof. They just, they just took him. He <laughs> sat there and go, he's a legend. That man is a legend. <laughs> and he, he's a legend to this. Oh, game. he. Uh, Hundred percent, he is. Absolutely, he is.
0: But that job, that role, will never exist again. No, no, right? It's,
1: it's no, it's 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 done. I mean, you know, you get different guy. He went everywhere. I mean, you know, now you've got a bunch of guys in Post Media that, you know, they know they're going to the Olympics. Okay, they get that. But all of the, those teams, and I was on a few of those teams, right? Yep. They they're being cut down. Right? Oh, for sure. Now all of a sudden, instead of having eight guys at a Super Bowl might have one or two. Right, right. Right. So you know, and the big fights. No one covers the big fights anymore. You know, they used to I mean, you know, Jim Taylor went down for the bite fight.
0: Yeah. Right? Yep.
1: And then the the Holyfield uh, Tyson fight. Yep. You know, so you no know, it, it it's all it's all gone and, and, and you know, I mean people do travel the stuff. You know, mostly now. Before when you were a beat guy you were jealous of the columnists because the columns got to go to all these amazing places you know and, and and i got to go to seven olympics and four men's world cups and and you know through women, and so it was great but now the beat guys are the guys that do all the traveling yeah. because the columnists they can only pay for so much and they have to take care of their own first yeah there's no yeah there's no ex, there's no extra so yeah so it's just kind of switched around newspaper a
0: couple more for you georgie and you mentioned them earlier and and you have told me this story but it bears repeating. You talk about Muhammad Ali and what a hero he was for you and everything like that. Um, But you got to meet him, right? You got to meet your hero. I did.
1: I did. Do I got to tell us again? Yes, please. Well, I saw him fight twice. The first time was, uh, second time was the Holmes fight in uh, Vegas. Yep. Which, by the way, was funny because Holmes came here, Larry Holmes came here for the Italian club there. Mm-hmm, that's right. So I got to do a Larry Holmes fight. Uh, to, sorry, an interview. With, yep. uh, a piece with Larry Holmes before the dinner. So I get in there and I sit down with him and we introduce ourselves. And I said, I want you to know, you made me cry one night. And he looked at me and went, The L.E. fight? I said, <laughs> You made me cry. <laughs> and he was laughing. He, was, he said, A lot of people tell me that, right? Yeah. So I saw Fight Holmes. It wasn't much of a fight. It was at Caesars, but I did see Sinatra then too. No. Same, same trip. Frank. <laughs> so, Frank and Muhammad. Okay, that does that. Hey, I'm done.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I'm done. I'm done. Anyway, but I did see him fight in, in the mornings when he won the title back from Leon Sphinx. And you had to see, and we've talked about this before, you had to see uh, an alley fight was just different. I've covered Olympics, I've covered sure. World Cup. It was different. So it spectacle. was a spectacle. It was a spectacle. It was like New Year's, it was like uh, Mardi Gras in New Year's Eve on, on uh, Bourbon Street. John Travolta was there. We saw him. We saw all these people. We were all there for this fight, right? And Ali wins the fight. And so the next day, we're going back to Winnipeg. I'm still in Winnipeg. We're going uh, New Orleans, Chicago, Chicago, Winnipeg. Well, I'm standing there, and I'm still floating. He's won the fight. He's won the title back. And then you hear this, champ's coming, champ's coming, champ's coming. And we're all looking like, what? And here he is. He's on our bloody plane. Not a charter, not, he's on our plane. They've got all the first class seats booked off. Okay, first thing he does, he buys everybody on the flight champagne. <laughs> this is this is compliments of Mr. Ali. Oh, oh. But then, Kurt, Kurt I've seen a lot of stuff over 40 years doing this thing. I've never seen this before. Everybody, and I mean everybody in the uh, economy got up and went to the front and got his autograph. Yeah. We're talking about nuns with their sickness bags and you know and people with the uh, flight magazines and, and boarding passes and i luckily had a couple of posters yeah that i had bought to fight so because i'd seen the fight and, and anyway so um i take these things up and i get to my my bit and he's there and he's sitting with that veronica the hottie one that he was married to for a while and she looked like the we'd all just we sh- they should just shove us off all the plane, right? It's just like <laughs> let me get there, you know. But he was there, so anyway, so I, I, I sh- you know, I shake his hand, I hand him my poster, and I said, Good. he said, "Did you see the fight?" And I said, "Oh, champ, I wouldn't have missed this for anything." I wrote "Yeah, I saw the fight. He goes, uh, uh, and then I thought, you know what? I got to tell him how much this meant because it meant a lot. Right. So yeah, I came all the way from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada to see if. Just he Looks up at me, and he goes, "You come all the way from Winnipeg, Canada, and you know, you know." He says, "To fight, to watch me fight, I must be the greatest, right?" And I just float back to my seat. Still got the autograph. I still got the other poster I right, had for my best man at my wedding. He's got it hung up on his in his house in Winnipeg, and so. Uh, you know, I, uh, how often is your hero as good as you want him to be? Now, I'm sure he could be sure, but with me, oh, geez, I mean, I couldn't have asked
0: for more. Than that. You know, it's yes. funny. Uh, uh, sorry to cut you off. I was just going to say, it's funny. I- I've heard Paul McCartney talk about that. Don't ask me for a photo. Yeah. A- ask me for a moment. And and I yeah. look at all this this vi- this cult of celebrity where we got to get our pictures, we got to take our pictures, and yeah, everything yeah. like that. It wasn't a picture, but a moment, right? Like, you have that with your hero for the rest of your
1: life. You know, and and like I I said, a lot of times we meet our heroes, and a lot of times, here's my cat, Figs. Okay, bye Figs. A lot of times we meet our heroes, and they're sharp with us, and you forget that they're human beings, and they have bad spells and stuff like that. So when you get one with the guy who was preeminent in your life, I mean, he's still I was my twenty nine year old daughter's back from Edinburgh. What am I showing her the other day? When we were kings. Yep. She got no idea what I'm talking about. Yep. But you know, I want her to know what this guy meant to me. Right? And, and so anyway, yeah, so it's it's it was it's it was it was quite something and to have to have him as good as I, I hoped he would be, rather than just be uh, you know, on it, 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 it was it was great. It was it was. He's the greatest of all time. You you see, see that me. that they, that '70s sports guy tweeted that amazing exchange that he had with Cosell. One of the amazing exchanges. Yep. right yeah, right, where Cosell goes, "Muhammad, you're being extremely truculent." And now he goes, "I don't know what truculent is. However, if it's good, I'm that." You know, <laughs> the man was magic. The man was pure magic. Well, it goes goes back to where we started, George.
0: Characters, right? Characters. Genuine characters. They wouldn't allow, society wouldn't allow Muhammad Ali to be Muhammad Ali now. They'd be politically correct or they'd cancel him or whatever we're doing now. You know? Yeah. You need guys with black hats. You need villains. You need good guys. You need that. Sports misses it. Right? Yeah, no.
1: You know, it's it's just, you know, I mean... And, and the villains, a lot of the time in sports, the villains were the most compelling people. I mean, oh, absolutely. We're watching dusters. Who's more... Comp- uh, Western movies? Who's more compelling than Jack Palance and Shane? Right. He wipes out that off the screen. You know, so the villains, a lot of times, that's why in the Battle of Alberta, Nick Sorley and McClellan and Timmy Hunter and John uh, Don Jackson and Nikki, they were among the major players. They might have played six, seven minutes, exactly. maybe. Right? Yeah. But... What did you remember? You remembered McSorley going nuts and Timmy coming back at him and you know all of that stuff. So yeah, so yeah, there's, 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 there's not enough it sounds terrible, but it's uh, in sports, villain's a pretty good part a lot of times. best part in the movie.
0: I agree. Um, this has been wonderful. Uh, my last question for you is a question I ask all my guests on this podcast. I give you no parameters sir. you, are, you may answer it any way you wish. But the question is simply this. George Johnson, give me your hidden Calgary gem. Is that anything is, you want? Oh this is a whole podcast devoted to telling Calgary sports stories about sports people. And when it, everybody comes out of this and we unpause and whatever, we just want to give people some things to look forward to. So whatever you want.
1: Okay, I'll say, and it's just because we were talking about ice cream with the family earlier. I will say a Amato Gelato. Perfect. He's an amazing Italian guy, and he'll he'll cut off everything else to show Serie A football games. And to me, that has gives him godlike status.
0: Georgie, you are the best man. Thank you so much for this. I have thoroughly enjoyed every single second of it. Um, I love you, man. You're a huge inspiration and a great mentor. And it just means the world to me that you can spend some time with me today. So thank you for doing
1: this. I'm gonna go lie down and probably not get up for six hours. But thanks, Kurt, I...
0: Georgie was so much fun. Um, I could do this for days. Uh, Appreciate it. He is uh, unique, and his writing style is probably the best, one of the best I've ever been around. I love um, the way he can weave things. Um, You you just... Again, appreciate somebody when you don't need to read the byline. You just read the first line, and you go, this is a George Johnson column. You can do that with Eric Dachuk. You can do that with George Johnson. There's a bunch of guys, and and many of them come through Calgary, to be perfectly honest. So it was a lot of fun to catch up and spend some time with Mr. Johnson. Um, That's it. Another one into the archives. If you liked it, please tell a friend. Share it. Uh, subscribe at podcasts, I, iTunes, or I guess it's not iTunes anymore, Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. Um, but we're back real soon, real quick. Can't wait to bring our next guest as we close in on 50 podcasts here on this project. Whoa, this has been so much fun the last couple of months. It's kept me sane. This is the original Six Feet Conversation podcast. Sportcalgary.ca.